0: Free, it lies, the home and the homeless Too many die every day and we really just want this Freedom
1: Welcome to this broadcast of New Abolitionist Radio on this Sunday night on the Black Talk Radio Network. It is March the 22nd, 2020, just a couple of minutes after 9 p.m. Eastern Time. I do apologize for uh, my lateness, uh, was having computer issues, but hopefully uh, those will not arise again during the broadcast. Of course, riding with me is New Abolitionist um, Tag, who uh, represents New York City, um, Maxwell won't be with us tonight. Get your thoughts together, Sky. Um Maxwell will not be with us tonight, but I'm sure he's listening as he's taking the night off. Uh, That brother puts in a lot of work, man, and I know he's tired, but, you know, Tag, who is feeling under the weather as well, um, is still trying to ride or die, you know, with us tonight, and so we appreciate him making that effort, uh, considering how he's feeling under the weather. You know, this coronavirus or COVID-19 is not a joke. Uh, Let me repeat, it is not a joke, and it is not something Um, that people should be taken lightly. You can debate all day with whoever you want to about its origins, if it was created in the lab, if it came from China, if it came from the United States, you know, like our resident epidemiologist who hosts uh, Victims to Victorious Angel said, well, Your your response is still going to be the same, no matter how it was created. However, it got out there. Your response should still be the same in protecting yourself. So we'll leave that debate to others. But I do want to once again, focus on our most vulnerable uh, population right now. And no, I'm not I'm not talking about babies and I'm not talking about Elderly people, although they are vulnerable, but I don't see them as the most vulnerable because they are not being caged in inhumane conditions at close quarters with thousands of people which we are, and they're not able to practice one of the recommended behaviors of social distancing, you know, so this is a problem that's around the world in terms of, you know, how these countries are responding uh, to this global pandemic, but it just seems to me, as Elliot pointed out earlier tonight on Time for Awakening Radio, you know, the United States has two of the most vulnerable populations, got, got I don't know how many, I think it's a half a million. I'm not sure how many exactly homeless people that we have. They are vulnerable. But the most vulnerable, uh, in my opinion, are the two and a half million people who at any given time in this country may be in a prison or in a jail. Now, we're seeing different counties And, um, and I think it's mostly happening at the county level, but we're seeing different counties releasing uh prisoners, but we're seeing we're not seeing that happen all across the board, meaning all across the United States. And we know the United States, um, has the largest prison slavery population on the planet, so this is very, very, very serious. And this program. It is meant to be a voice for the voiceless, although sometimes we are able to get prisoners um, to call in and hear from them. But that is that is our job is to raise the alarm um, on this. And to date, and I could be incorrect, but to date, um, the only person in the federal government that I have heard even speak on it is of all people, Kamala Harris, given her background, Uh, As a California attorney general, and when the Supreme Court determined overcrowding in those prisons and jails to be uh, unconstitutional, constituting cruel and unusual uh, punishment, she just contracted with private prisons to take these people on instead of uh, um, uh, getting the release of what they call low-level offenders and you know elderly prisoners who are least likely to reoffend and i'm using their language not not my language okay so that is i imagine we will you know f- for however this thing lasts um be talking about prisoners in you know this situation they find themselves in um you know these inhumane punishments uh, that they're finding themselves in with this covid-19 pandemic blowing up all across the United States. Now, tonight, um, we are joined on the broadcast by Sheila, who is a community organizer in the New York area, whose son is caged at the uh, municipal Jail, widely known as the Tombs, that's the Metropolitan Detention Complex in Manhattan. Now, why MDC Manhattan officials have been virtually silent on the issue, reports from the inside say that captives and overseers are being infected with COVID-19 and cases have rapidly increased in recent days. Positive confirmations stand at 38 throughout the incarcerated population inside New York City. But given the close quarters and unsanitary conditions in facilities like the tombs, many are concerned that this number is bound to grow. Loved ones and concerned individuals are engaged in ongoing phone zaps to demand their release before the outbreak spreads even further. So let me give you some information that comes to you by way of the NYC chapter of the Incarcerated Workers Organizing Committee. This was an update that um, Tag uh, sent to me, but it's posted on Twitter. Um, And again, this is an update they sent out today. 19 cases of COVID-19 at the MDC Manhattan, um, and that's the tombs. Calls have been successful. They are off lockdown and can use phones. Now let's get them free. Demand the release of incarcerated folks at the tombs. Let them know the public knows what's happening. You can call, and I'm going to repeat this number uh, um, three times. So go ahead and write it down. You can call 1-212-288-1341. one 1- 212 288 1341. And finally, 1 212 288 1341. You can also, if you're on Twitter, at NYC Mayor, which I believe that's the account that's being uh, maintained by the staff of New York uh, Mayor de Blasio. Um, Before we bring Sheila on, um let me just allow Tag to give, you know, his opening comments as my co-host tonight. Tag, did you have some opening thoughts? No, not just just mainly
2: <clears throat> just mainly, you know, continuing with with what you've said, just we got to continue to keep our focus on those that are are truly most most vulnerable put in the position to really be uh, subjected to uh, these kinds of outbreaks and, and all manner of other outbreaks the most, and, and th- those, those are the heads that are incarcerated that are, are put up under uh, prison slavery for the reasons that, that you pointed toward, and I'm just amped that, uh, that, that our guest, uh, Sh- Sheila, is on the line to you know really uh, help us to flesh that out uh, from, from Sheila's perspective, so greatly appreciate her making time to do so. I can't can't hear
1: anything right now, but um Oh just, I'm I'm just... sorry. I'm sorry. I had myself uh my mic turned down. But what I was saying if Sheila, if you could hold just for a second, because I meant to play this clip out of New York um right after the opening, but I kinda got discombobulated with my late start and my technical issues. But this really speaks to why this program was founded in twenty twelve to put the focus on the fact that slavery was never abolished okay if you read the declaration of human rights that you know of course the yeah united nations declaration of human rights which was put together back in 1948 and the united states is a signatory to it when it talks about slavery It says slavery in all its forms shall be prohibited. So it's acknowledging that you have illegal slavery, you know, where if I was to go out and kidnap somebody and enslave them, like I just read about this Samoan chieftain had tricked some Samoans to going to, I think it was Australia. Uh, with job prospects and making more money, you know, as compared to the, the poverty on that uh, island, which is also a colony of the United States, but he enslaved them. So you got that type of slavery, um, you know, then you then you got prison slavery, the legalized kind. And that's what we focus on. And so I'm glad that even back then they were recognizing that there are different forms of slavery, You know, you got sexual servitude, that's slavery as well. But a lot of people, more people now know it than knew it in 2012. But I think that still not enough people understand that the 13th Amendment does not abolish slavery. It just changes the form of slavery that's being practiced because it says slavery and involuntary servitude shall be abolished except as punishment for crime whereof a party has been duly convicted. And then Section 2, where it talks about Congress being able to make the laws to enforce, and, and to enforce what? Prison slavery, the right to laws to determine if you engage in this type of behavior, whatever we choose, whatever we say, because we are authoritarian government, that we if we convict you in a court, Hey, you're going to straight to prison slavery. So this, we'll, we'll uh, come to Sheila as soon as this clip is over, which isn't very long. But before I forget, I just want people to know, you know, to hear this. And this is coming to you from New York.
0: We'll be providing this to governmental agencies, schools, the MTA, uh, prisons, et cetera, because you can't get it on the market. And when you get it, it's very, very expensive. That is now in production. We'll start distribution. We're going to distribute it to New Rochelle, which is a hot spot for us, uh, because literally we're hearing from governments that they're having trouble uh, getting it.
1: They're talking about hand sanitizer.
0: A gallon bottle is $6.10. The seven ounce bottle uh, is $1.12, our cost. And then there's a very small size, which is 84 cents. So it's much cheaper for us to make it ourselves than to buy it on the open market. If you continue the price gouging, we will introduce our product, which is superior to your product, and you don't even have the floral bouquet. So stop price gouging.
1: Oh man, I was just I was just disgusted. That was Governor Cuomo speaking there, um, Sheila, um, and you know that was from the audio from a video where they showed the prisoners. You know, making this hand sanitizer, and then you know, according to the medical professionals, you don't really even need hand sanitizer. You can just use any kind of soap that produces a foam. So regular soap that you can buy in the stores, whatever brand, will suffice. Suffice, but I mean, just how blatant that this governor is talking about. We, you ain't making nothing, okay. You mm-hmm. got the prisoners making it. And then you talking about, you'll put it out there on the open market. So I, I, I'm sorry about my rant on that Sheila, but welcome to new abolitionist radio. And, um, please, what are your thoughts on that clip before you go into what's happening with the tombs?
3: I'm so glad that you played it because I had, I had it in front of me. I was, was one of the first things that I wanted to bring up, um, I mean, yes, it's true. Inmates can, you know, they can use soap, but the inmates want what everybody else has because they already know that, you know, to them, prisoners don't matter to anybody. That's what they're being told right now at this point while this is happening. Like, you don't matter. Prisoners don't matter. They want sanitizer, too. Um, They can't get it, but they make it so they understand. They understand that they're being used and disposable. Even the regular soap, regular soap, right, Um, there's a shortage of that because the guards started grabbing those up, and you have to buy that from commissary. So if you don't have the money, you're going to have some problem getting soap as well. So I'm really glad you brought that up, because that was one of the things that I wanted to mention, like straight-out gate, that that is problematic. And that, yes, you know, these people are inside a burning building with no escape. They're not getting out of there, and and they know it, and it's horrible. Um but one of the wonderful things that's happening is that they are banding together and beginning to organize. They are starting to fight back. Um, they were, um, once the first person tested positive, which was an inmate, there was very suspicious behavior before that where one of the guards in the bubble in the control booth, she had passed out and they had taken her out of the building She came, um, she never came back after that. They knew something was going on because people were sick. Everyone is sick right now in um, 8 West, where my son is at and sick. in the c um, Everyone. They have colds. They are sneezing. Um, some of them don't want to get their fever taken, and they do have fevers because they're using the kind of, um, you know, when you go to the, the medical clinic and you get your temperature taken, you have that rolly thing on wheels. Then they stick the temperature thermometer in your mouth that's attached to the machine and it's just like a thin saran wrap that they put on and like a plastic to keep it clean and then you're done they throw the plastic out they're still breathing on the same apparatus so they're like what is the sense of doing this this is not clean there's other ways you could be taking a temperature that wouldn't be that right um, so they're inside and they're just refusing to lock in for counts. they don't want to do it because they feel if they lock in they're going to be kept lock in, locked in and they won't be allowed out and they said, we'll die in our beds, and everybody will be okay with that. Like, they believe that the plan is to let the virus play itself out inside and then just disperse of the bodies afterwards. This is real talk. It's talk that it's talk that comes from the, the COs, you know, the officers tell them this. Medical doesn't even want to deal with them. It's not the kind of medical like we have out here. You see these dedicated nurses, you know. They're in those, those jails as well, and they don't want to be tending to these um, – these people to these incarcerated prisoners um, and they're forced to do it also so there's animosity so there's not this caring and concern it's like oh my god I have to deal with these guys I wish they would kind of (laughs) like let the virus take them over so it's a lot going on there and people need to be released you have a 79 year old man in there you have a man that has cancer Um, let these people go man let them go
1: Do you know if any prisoners have been released? I know that message from IWAC, you know, is calling on um, the public to call and demand their release. But, you know, um, the first story I I saw about people being released was where my brother is right now in Ohio. Um, And I was surprised that it was a county jail that large that held, they said, thousands of people. And they Mm -hmm. let a couple of hundred go. And, you know, towards the... um, Uh, During the second half of tonight's program, I got a series of clips from all over the country, you know, related to prisoners being released and and other information that I'm going to share in case, you know, people didn't see see them that's out here in the world. But has anyone been released as it relates to this pandemic in uh, New York City jails?
3: Not to my knowledge. And, and I mean, like, my comrade has her nephew, and, and he went in a few weeks ago because he got, got out of parole. He was in the halfway house. The staff made a mistake. There was a distant staff person who told him, you got to be in by 9. It was actually an 8 o'clock curfew because of an hour. They violated this boy. So now he's sitting in there. <laughs> he's sitting in there in, 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 a, in a death wish tomb, and they won't let him out. And what crime did he commit? And it's like everyone in there, um, regardless whether you have a murder charge, whatever your charge is, you're innocent until proven guilty. This is what supposedly it's supposed to be. Where's the flight risk? Let people go. Where are they going to go? Where are they going to fly to Italy? They're going to cut out. You can't go anywhere. Release people. Um, You know, prisoners are human beings and they are the community. I know somebody had commented on Facebook. They were like, the public will never allow that. Like, what are you talking about? Like, it's so privileged. We are the public. Right. We are the
1: public. Right. When you look at the United States having the largest prison population in the world, and that includes the jails, then they all have family members, too. So times that by a couple of million. We are the public. I wholeheartedly agree with you.
3: One of the things, you know, they're asking for several things, but I think in the meanwhile, while they're waiting to see what happens if anyone gets released, you know, they definitely want laptops, right? Because they don't have clean supplies. Right now, they are getting to use the phones. They weren't. The first day after um, that, and they tested positive. They were actually locked in, and that was real scary stuff for them. Um, that, that was panic mode. So I was grateful that on the outside, because of the phone zaps or whatever, and it worked, they let them out, so they could, now they can make calls. The thing is they're using these phones, right? And like there's no cleaning stuff. So they gotta take whatever soap they have and rag and do the best they can to wipe everything down in that way. But they should be having laptops as well so there's constant communication, not just through slots, but they're always able to call. I mean, always able to contact us to, to make sure what is happening on the inside. And I think that's one of the biggest fears, like they, they don't wanna die in there and no one knows um that's even why some of them don't want to say they have fever right um because then what happens to them do they disappear and get taken somewhere and the family doesn't know and then it's blamed on oh well you know the virus stopped we had to do this with the body we had to burn it they had no idea like they said they're being told prisons don't matter <laughs> like ain't nobody care about you everybody's worried about everybody else they're saying the people on the outside from the neighborhood aren't even getting tested you know so why should you get tested kind of the thoughts behind that but the guards are getting tested right they're secretly doing that and you know politicians are getting tested we got we have a a council person from the Bronx that just today made a wonderful beautiful statement oh my wife and my kids uh council in Salamanca we all tested positive but we're feeling good so if you're feeling good how'd you get the test you know what I'm saying so there's people privy getting these tests for no apparent reason just because meanwhile we have people inside where they can have a test and we can determine who has what. Um, that could even
1: work a little bit. like. And, and you're right on point to bring that up because, you know, they call that being asymptomatic, meaning you're not showing any kind of symptoms. But like you just stated, these people who aren't showing symptoms and even their family members are getting tested. Um, so, um, you know, that that's just. But I'm not I'm not surprised at this. Um, this system like Elliot was saying is one of the most inhumane and in the United States I have to say man not everybody but we got some of the most inhumane people and unfortunately a lot of them are in government making decisions life and death dis- decisions like you know when you're in a jail that means you haven't been convicted of a crime you're waiting on trial okay so what are you doing? Sentencing me to death, you know? And then you're mentioning that the the prisoners are showing symptoms, but yet, you know, they're not really being tested at the rate these politicians Mm -hmm. are.
3: Right, right. And to be tested, supposedly they have to go outside the facility. That raises a couple alarms right there. First of all, you're moving them, you're taking them out. Um, Rather than have the testing come to the site. You, we can do this this is already being done they have sites already set up Brooklyn Staten Island um, somewhere in the Bronx there's some kind of a uh, place that got set up so they have some kind of a satellite these places just got set up so if you can do that why can't you just set up something inside the jails if that's the case right um I think there's this big you know there's this big thing in our minds that that would be the bigger epidemic letting people go home to their families right But you you have these government officials sitting up there saying, let's be kind to our neighbors and look out for our neighbors. Let them cut in front of you in the line of their supermarket. All this good humanitarian talk, which is, we know, lip service. I mean, do they think if they continue to keep our loved ones in there and allow them to get sick and die, if a first death occurs in there, do they not think that family members will say, we've got nothing left to lose, the inmates will say we've got nothing left to lose mm-hmm. and we're coming out with masks, without mask and some kind of uprising is going to go down and it's going to be ugly because what what do we have left to lose we want our people home if we're going to die let's all die together let's do that you know i'm a mother and i'm thinking like that already i'm like what more, what more do i got to lose you
1: know, you know so a-
3: if, they, if they don't want anarchy to happen they need to respond and do something
1: Right. And, you know, Tag had had mentioned to me uh, earlier, you know, about Brazil, Um, Brazil, you know, have had some prison outbreaks. And when I say outbreak, I mean, escapes, you know. Um, Also, I saw in Italy, you know, prisoners rioting over being placed on lockdown. And so, I mean, it's a very, very, very dangerous situation. You know, and I wouldn't want to be in it as a prisoner or a a CO, you know, very dangerous, dangerous situation. And but, you know, for all the propaganda we get about how bad, how evil, how immoral uh, other countries are. I was just peeping the other day that Iran um, didn't just let prisoners go, but they pardoned over 10,000. So they don't ever okay. have to come back, you know, and, mm-hmm. and and in some of these clips I'm going to play later, you know, they are holding like weekend sessions of courts in some of these counties to process low level people in jail. Well, why not just let them out? And then, you mm-hmm. know, shout out to Marilyn Mosby. I, I think she's living up to that uh, progressive prosecutor label there in Baltimore because, you know, she has directed her staff not to be prosecuting these people for these low-level low, low level offenses, which she had already been told, you know, the police to stop bringing these little petty marijuana charges to us and what have you. And, and now she's, you know, going even further in the face of this epidemic. See, that that's a person who's acting in a humane compassionate fashion but also who's being responsible who's being responsible and doesn't want to add to the already dire situation that's in the prisons and jails Mm -hmm. tag did you have anything you wanted to add i know you're feeling a little underweather man yeah 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 no, <clears throat> appreciating the discussion
2: I I would just want to speak to a few a few of these uh real quick firstly with the phone number just so that it has no um that's the that's the number that uh, a lot of the calls have been going toward and it seems as though now it's disconnected um so will you know we'll, who knows why that might be but you know as as was mentioned uh the 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 phones apps have you know been effective thus far to the degree that they have so I just wanted to point toward a couple of other phone numbers that that will get you to that facility one way or the other uh one is for the information their information hotline uh as they call it uh that number is seven one eight five four six fifteen hundred again the information hotline it's seven 718- one eight Five four six fifteen hundred, and then they have an office of correspondence, as they call it, and that number is 212-788-3000, and uh, that, the, the previous number is still worth keeping, uh, you know, such that if they turn it back on or whatever, whatever it may be, we can still um, get at them at that number as well. And then just also, I mean, Sheila was mentioning about the tests, and we, we all know how unevenly they've been distributing these tests. And it just goes to show, you know, under slavery capitalism, how how uneven is the distribution of any any resource that's seen as, as needed, that's seen as valuable. And I'm, I was just looking at a re- very recent report about how Harvey Weinstein has uh, mm-hmm. has tested positive, yep. you know, right. um, and he's 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 upstate at, at Wendy right now, and I I recall just a couple days ago, the last couple days, seeing reports about you know how they're transferring him from Rikers, et cetera, et cetera, and just thinking that that was kind of sus given all that's going on. We know you know this virus is spreading, and they're talking about you know um, sending him here and there. So you know, as as, as you said, Sheila, this is. You know, we should really be looking closely at at these slavers and and at these slave patrollers. You know, if they want to put charges up for people behind, you know, herding people or what have you, what kinds of charges are involved for putting, you know, endangering, endangering people for further uh, spread of this outbreak? You know, do they have charges ready for these slave patrollers for violating heads and putting them inside to subject them potentially to, to, to these viruses? Mm -hmm. And and just relatedly, uh, you know, um, just wanted to point toward, given that, that and this is up on the BTR community, but, but relatedly, uh, for, for those that ain't seen it as yet, uh, during in the Intercepts report uh, from a few days ago, talking about Rikers and, and other spots uh, throughout the city, they pointed toward the fact that there was a, a memo leaked from the New York Department of Corrections uh, there's their so-called pandemic plan this was apparently not released to the public but but somebody had leaked it and i just want to point toward a, a a section of that if if there's minutes before the break because there's a few sentences here that that really speak to what what, what some of um, sheila was laying out for us as far as how how callous these slavers can be
1: yeah go ahead tag we can delay the break so so real
2: quick, this is from the NYC Department of Corrections Pandemic Plan, Coronavirus 19, and it's, this is at the top of page 16 of that, of that document. It says, Health Affairs, the Office of the Chief Medical Examiner will coordinate the distribution of refrigeration-slash-freezer trucks and teams through the Office of Emergency Management. When the trailers are properly utilized, each trailer has the capacity to hold 44 bodies. OCME recommends that each agency maintains a supply of body bags, toe tags, a tracking system, and refrigeration space to maintain the bodies for a 24-hour period while OCME distributes their assets. Each death that occurs in custody is automatically under the jurisdiction of the Office of the Medical Examiner. And autopsies are performed on all these medical examiner cases. And I'll just uh, skip ahead a bit uh, that, you know, this whole section is, is relevant, but I know that, you know, we we got to keep eyes on, on the minutes. It goes on to say, currently the NYPD call in a desk to an OCME hotline. The questions and information necessary to make the telephone report efficient are outlined in the NYPD patrolman's guide. The medical examiner's office determines whether an investigator must visit the scene by the information provided by the NYPD. So basically they're saying that you know, if it gets to that point, they're they're going to, you know, it'll it'll be left up to them basically to determine if if these deaths that they're apparently uh, foreseeing or or at least recognizing the possibility of, even though they didn't planning for public, sounds like certainly, yeah, preparing for not preparing for making sure that heads have you know soap <sighs> that they need, gloves that they need, you know, are in touch with loved ones but preparing for the possibility of of mass deaths and and in in very careful detail, far more carefully than than anything preventative that they've spoken to. And they're talking about possibly not even investigating, you know, um, making a determination as to whether to even investigate such deaths. So exactly what, what Sheila was saying as far as them just not caring and being blatant about it. So sounds
1: like to me, the reason why you wouldn't autopsy you know um the prisoners is to prevent any foreseeable uh, wrongful death suits given the negligence
2: i would say that that sounds precise to me and that seems to be time and again their foremost concern making sure that they they're not uh culpable
1: mm and i have read something else about um and it was from New York City talking about using prisoners to dig mass graves. Did you peep that one?
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and you know, we had touched on it a little bit, but I'm glad that you went back further into the 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 um the hand sanitizer uh portion of that. But yeah, exactly. You know, another just right along with that is this other leaked document, you know, talking about yeah, and the event in in this type of event that they're talking about here, you know they're gonna they're planning to have enslaved human beings actually go ahead and dig mass graves, uh you know off off on on an island, uh, you know it, I mean just the the audacity you know seems to know no bounds.
1: Having them dig their own graves, wow! I tell you, man. And I think
3: inmates inmates are very much aware and very much, um, you know, there's a hype. High- heightened fear and I can hear when my son calls me you can hear them in the background and a lot of the conversation my son says that they are having is exactly that like the flattening the curve is what they want to do by letting that virus play out in there so they all die you know and, and empty it out and the inmates are well aware of this which is why they don't want to be locked in they don't want to go go in for count because they're afraid we go in that's it they're gonna keep us in there and just leave us there nobody will ever follow up and monitor that's why they're even afraid of medical. You know, you say that, that you have that fever, 99, 100, they're going to take you out that facility. Where are they bringing you? Are you going to come back? You're just going to be gone. Nobody's going to follow up how you died. It happens on a regular regular day. Why wouldn't it happen now? Like, this is the perfect climate for it to just, like, uh, flatten that curve real easy. You know, so it's exactly what you said, yes.
1: Um. This is the reality of living in such an inhumane society, you know. Um, And then particularly in New York City, before we go to the break, I was seeing reports about teachers and parents begging um, the mayor to close the schools and and the teachers threatening to go on strike. So it seems to me that, hell, if they don't even care about the students, you know, how much less um, do they care about these prisoners? It, it's just sickening, and we need federal um, leadership on this. As I mentioned, you know, and I I, I don't like too much giving Kamala Harris giving her background in prison slavery in the state of California, one of the worst states, you know, um, especially with their overcrowded conditions. Still. You know, regardless of the U.S. Supreme Court saying they had to ease those overcrowding uh, situation. But at, at least now she's talking about, you know, we need to release low-level offenders, the most, um, you know, vulnerable um, to these viruses. So I want to take a, a station identification break. And then I'm just going to roll several clips from the different reactions um, you know the the different ways that different counties are handling this. I'm not hearing anything about any statewide you know uh decisions being made. Not that there hasn't been any. I just haven't heard about them other than Governor Cuomo sitting up there talking about how you know the prisoners making the hand sanitizers and threatening um you know vendors that hey, if you price gals, we're gonna put our our product on, on the market. All right, so you're listening to New Abolitionist Radio on the Black Talk Radio Network. Um, we broadcast live Sunday nights at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern, and please stay with us. If you have a question or a comment you would like to make in in um, these last 20 minutes that we have to be on air, give us a call at 704-802-5056. That's 704 704-802- 802 5056 and you can hit the star key twice um, so that I'll know you want to speak just watch your background noise as much as possible if you're able we'll be back you are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network for podcasts and live program scheduling visit us on the web at BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com
4: We are taking all the necessary precautions to make sure that we don't have one inmate, even one inmate or employee coming into this facility that, uh, that could potentially have that, uh, that virus because you could totally uh, affect the entire population here and then have some serious, serious issues to deal with. be no difference here. If you ended up needing to be quarantined or something, or somebody is showing any signs or symptoms of this virus, you're going to be placed in one of those negative pressure chambers, and that's in our infirmary, and our eyes are on you all the time. So we're, we're going to closely monitor anybody that comes into this facility that is showing any signs or symptoms uh, of this, this coronavirus. So washing your hands, using hand sanitizer, creating distancing when possible. Uh, we've been taking all of those steps and providing that additional training to our officers and communicating that to the inmates.
0: I think we have, to, we have to use some good judgment and when it comes to that kind of thing. We still have to keep the community safe and also provide a medical um, outlet where we can treat them for these and we can take care of that stuff here um, if we need to.
4: So we are in an empty housing unit, which would be ideal if we happen to have a scenario where we're concerned or cautious or monitoring multiple inmates at one time so we'd be able to move them to an empty housing unit so they have the ability to be quarantined and treated and monitored accordingly.
5: The next deadly coronavirus cluster may not be on a cruise ship or in a city. It could be in jail. Some experts are warning that prisons are not ready for the pandemic, so some lawyers are trying to get their clients out on early release. NBC News legal analyst Danny Savalos joins me now. He is one of those lawyers. Danny, that is the most professional-looking Skype we've had all day, definitely coming from a lawyer. Uh, tell us about the motion that you filed yesterday.
6: So, like many criminal defense attorneys, we are moving to try and get Uh, clients out of custody, especially pretrial detainees, uh, low-risk individuals, first-time offenders, people not charged with guns, drugs, or similar type offenses, those are the ones most likely uh, to be able to get out on what's called temporary belief pending file. Now, I'm sure there are going to be motions to try and get prisoners serving prison sentences, and I know there's more uh, higher-risk prisoners with health issues that uh, are trying to get out. And those may uh, face a more steep uphill climb. And, you know, really, judges in court really have a dilemma in front of them. I sympathize with them because on the one hand, they need to keep society safe. And on the other hand, they also need to keep society safe. So you have these competing interests involving public health and safety uh, slamming headlong into each other.
5: So, Danny, let me ask you this. I mean, uh, as we see more cases like this come up, what do you think it would actually take for a judge to release an inmate from prison? Are there certain criteria where you say, all right, this may be the thing that would get somebody out?
6: We already have mechanisms in both Mm -hmm. federal and state uh, criminal justice systems to get inmates and detainees, people awaiting trial in jail usually, to get them out if they have a serious illness or even if they are close to death or uh, going to be dying soon. So we have those mechanisms in place. The challenge for court is going to be when you have a pandemic that potentially affects everyone. You can't open up all the jails like Iran uh, reportedly did, uh, letting out 54,000 inmates. That is probably not feasible in our criminal justice system. But on the other hand, there are individuals who should be let out. Again, low risk, nonviolent offenders, uh, no uh, no firearms-type offenses. Those are the kinds of things I can see judges drawing a line. But then again, there's an argument to be made that even if you have an offender who maybe is charged with a firearms offense, but he has a health condition that puts him at high risk, maybe that offender, if conditions can be prepared, and I'm talking about adequate house arrest, monitoring, electronic mm-hmm. monitoring, GPS, ankle bracelets, those kinds of things that can ensure the safety of the community but also assure, or you can't assure our safety during a time of coronavirus, but uh, that will help at least dissuade the concerns of the court uh, somewhat during this pandemic time.
5: Uh, Danny, let me ask you, you mentioned safety and security. Yesterday, we reported that an employee at Sing Sing, for folks who don't know, that's a correctional facility in Westchester County, New York. Uh, Someone there tested positive for coronavirus, uh, an employee there. Uh, Experts are warning, as we've been saying, U.S. jails are just not ready for this pandemic. There is really uh, not a lot of social distancing there. If you're not able to get clients of yours out, is there anything you're advising them to do or anything that they can do to just protect themselves in jail?
6: There's not much to advise a client to do because one of the uh, the essence of being incarcerated is that you have no control over your own life. Right. It's more that we are pushing jails and prisons to change their procedures and respond appropriately to the crisis. And again, just as you pointed out, jails and courthouses alike are a pandemic's worst nightmare or maybe a pandemic's favorite thing ever, because they're very design, you have lots of strangers birded into one room where they sit around and wait all day whether it be a courthouse or a courtroom or a jail cell uh, they're just by their very nature a breeding ground for illness and uh, any kind of communicable disease that's the way they're designed so again courts have a challenge in front of them they have to incarcerate people but at the same time they have to keep uh, people safe to the extent they can from this pandemic and so what I expect you might see is judges making calls with more low-risk type offenders, uh, people who are incarcerated, waiting trial, who are presumed innocent, uh, who don't pose a threat to society. A good example might be people who are held on immigration detainers. That might be, there is a push I know of uh, through some of the criminal defense bar uh, to try and get people who are just detained on immigration detainers out. And so you may see judges making those kinds of decisions, but it's important to remember that the federal and state court operate like pieces in many ways. Uh, they What you're going to see is a patchwork quilt of remedies applied by different judges and justices across the country.
1: Hey, NBC News viewers, thanks for checking out our YouTube channel. Subscribe by clicking on, on the virus.
7: Is, is in danger of hitting jails. Okay, and uh, the. We got some some inmates coming out. They were saying the, the the filth in there is crazy, and they're really worried. Like they're and they're not doing much about it from the inmates' perspective. You've been an inmate. W- what are your thoughts on this? You think it could be bad?
8: The reality is that you know, we're all fighting this thing together. It doesn't matter whether you're an inmate or not. If, if one inmate catches it in those uh, those terrible quarters, it's like it's going to spread like crazy. So they've got to. Uh, you know, really be careful as far as disinfecting everything. I mean, I, I watch them spraying down China. They should be spraying down that L.A. County jail. In jail, it's a dis—it's a sign of disrespect if you don't shake somebody's hand. So, yeah. you know, fist bump them, Holmes. <laughs> Is that the best advice? Like fist bump? People? You know, I don't you know. Nothing else you can say, man. You know what I mean? There's nothing else you can say. Make sure that. You they're not going to hand out wipes That's for damn sure. Well,
7: maybe they should. Maybe I mean they would, should. They, you know they it,
8: should. They should take. They. They should take every precaution necessary, especially in that close contact.
7: How hard is it to like when someone gets sick? Does it does it move around? Quick? Everybody. Everyone gets it. When the sick. flu hits, everybody's got it. You know wow. What I mean? So,
8: so uh, I mean, you could just like you know stay away from people. But they're... In prison, you
7: can. In the county, you can. A total of 38 inmates are ordered released from the Cuyahoga County Jail Saturday after they appear in court for an unusual weekend session. Kevin Dunn, who faced a judge on Friday, is relieved to be walking out. Everybody's concerned, but as long as we're trying to keep up on what's going on, if you're washing your hands, taking care of this, you know, the sanitation stuff, we're all right in there. Ms. Smith is charged with one count, felony, five drug possession. We
4: didn't just sit here and open the jailhouse doors and let people run out of the jail.
7: Ten Cuyahoga County judges held hearings with prosecutors and defense attorneys working out plea deals with incarcerated inmates charged with low-level nonviolent crimes, a process that might otherwise take weeks. We balanced the need to protect the public and the
4: safety of our inmates, and what we did is instead of taking a timeline from here to here, we took that timeline and shrunk it to hear.
7: So I'm going to order that you be released. Prosecutor Michael Malley says in the event of a coronavirus outbreak, there needs to be room inside the jail to isolate inmates. He also fears state prisons may soon stop accepting inmates from county jails.
4: We have to acknowledge that that is a possibility, which makes every day critical. Every day between now and and God forbid that day comes where they stop the flow of our prisoners. I'm going to reinstate
7: the bond. You'll be ordered released. 29 people who were arrested in recent days also appeared before Judge Saturday to avoid having them wait in jail until Monday.
4: We understood here and decided to get together and try to move these cases to try to avert tragedies within our own county jail.
7: With what's going on in the courts, they're trying to get us back out there so everybody's on the same page, we're home, everybody can be okay together. In Cleveland... Just coming into the newsroom,
6: folks, three inmates at one prison tested positive for COVID-19. The state health department says the offenders were in the Lee State Prison in Leesburg, and that's in South Georgia. One person was taken to the hospital on Sunday. Two others, they went to the hospital on Monday after showing flu-like symptoms. Three additional inmates are now being monitored after showing symptoms as well.
1: All right, so there you heard different news clips from around the country, from Los Angeles to Georgia, um, several from New York, Ohio as well, and everybody's not taking the same approach, and everybody's not, you know, viewing this the same, Um, but I think the consensus is that it is a very dangerous situation, Um, you know, being in that environment at close quarters, and, and, and so... A couple of things stood out to me and if we need to take you know some time and go over um you know the hour mark we can do so um but there's a couple of things i want to comment on the clips and then i'll go to tag um i'm sorry go to sheila and go to tag um to see you know if, if they picked up or made any observations from what we heard but one of the clips reminded me of what sheila was asking Well, if somebody gets sick and they come take them away, where they going to take them to? And although I didn't state it, you know, the first thought that came to my mind was solitary confinement, which is torture. Solitary confinement, uh, according to the international, you know, community of psychologists, they have said that any amount of time, as little as 24 hours, in solitary confinement is torture. So you know that's what I was thinking. Like you heard the guards say, "Well, we got this empty wing," and and I'm just wondering where uh, where exactly that was that they got empty cells. You know, given how you know most of the cells are overflowing here in the United States, but saying that they will try to isolate them by taking them to the empty part of the jail. Well, um, you know. There's only so much space. There's only so much space. And, um, you know, in terms of releasing people, um, they're talking about, you know, well, we don't want to release people in on gun charges or um, drug charges and what, why not? If it's a nonviolent crime, if they did not harm anyone, if they, you know, were trafficking drugs, got caught with some drugs or whatnot, why not let them out? You know, if I can understand not letting out a mass murderer, like, you know, the man who uh, opened fire on that Las Vegas crowd and and killed, you know, I'm not sure how many he killed, but there were uh, over 500 casualties. Now, casualty doesn't necessarily mean they were died, they were killed, but they could have been wounded or whatnot. So, you know, that, that came to my mind, you know, and then also... How about telling these police to stop arresting people on these drug charges, these nonviolent drug charges or these petty shoplifting charges and just all the pettiness? You know why? You know why? Because it's money. Okay, slaves bodies were the first capital in this country, in my opinion. You know, Thomas Jefferson wrote a letter to his fellow slavers talking about how his capital increased with every victim of slavery born on one of his plantations or his main plantation. I don't know how many he had, but he talked about that. And again, just how inhumane, you know, um, capitalism is in slavery is a big part of that. And we're in a different century now and we're in a century here in the United States where since 1865, they've been practicing prison slavery. So let me go, ta- uh, Sheila, did you have any thoughts about um, the clips or, and, and also any final thoughts you would like to share?
3: I just want to reiterate what you were saying that what is happening right now, the whole world is watching and allowing it to happen um, because they are going to start dying. And it's going to be quick, and it's going to be fast, and people are going to be shell shocked, and they're expecting people to be frozen in position because, um, you know that this is this is a scary thing. We've never been through this before here in this lifetime, and if we don't act now, it will. Sh- you heard the plan. Tag told you the plan, right? They have the plan for how many bodies and who's going to dig it and all that stuff. Um, so something really has to be done. Um, and what that is, there has to be some sort of an uprising because, um, yeah, whether that means that people just show up and wild out and we're there without our masks and our gloves and saying let our people go, something has to happen. And if there was ever a time to uprise, I would say it'd be now.
1: I would say so as as well. Did you have any, any final thoughts, um, you know, anything um that you would like to relay on the behalf of your son, who we hope you know and pray uh, makes it through this, and, and most importantly uh, gets released.
3: Um, just to keep in mind that uh, the, these are our children, and these are human beings, and they are scared. You know, everyone has this picture of all oh, these criminals, these hardened criminals, and I will tell you that I can hear in the background, people are petrified and terrified. They are in a burning building with no escape. That is the same feeling. It's like they're being burned alive. So there's a lot of fear there. So, you know, um, something got to happen and it has to happen quick. And if it doesn't, the, the community at large needs to do something about it, whatever that might be.
1: Yeah. And I just want to reiterate before we bring Tag in for, you know, his comments on the clips or his final thoughts is, I've read over and over since I've been paying close attention to this issue since 2012 that the vast majority, I would say two-thirds of all prisoners, whether they be in a prison or jail, are in there for nonviolent drug crimes. You can let two-thirds of the population go. Tag?
2: Yeah, yeah, I I greatly appreciate the discussion as ever, and and great look, Sheila, for for providing uh, so so much insight on what's going on here, uh, I as far as observations, I mean, we see we see so much more of the same, and in moments like these, it's really just underlined in, in in such drastic ways. But just for example, I mean, just the very fact of overcrowding on these prison plantations and and in these jails, you know, it's these these conditions. The the lawyer, uh, I forget. I, I don't know if I caught exactly where this lawyer was was from, but the Sound the like lawyer New in York. The, Sound like New York. So so this, this New York lawyer who was talking about this so called competing interest between keeping society safe and keeping society safe, that that was such just an an illustration of of some of the of how the, the logics behind prison slavery have become just so ingrained that that we're able to act as though there's a distinction between heads who are on the inside and quote unquote society, and it's just and it's just such a it becomes so commonplace that people it seems tend to believe that there is such a distinction. But as Sheila just so so uh, truly put it, we we are the public, so as it's it's unavoidable. I mean, whether it's through a virus outbreak or the the various other issues that are constantly just circulating in and outside of these prison plantations, this, it doesn't it doesn't go away just because you 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 uh, lock somebody into a cage. Whatever issue uh, these these uh, slavers and and those that allow themselves to, to to parrot their talking points, whatever it is that they think they're they're putting away, they are not, and it only in fact makes it worse. And we're seeing it right here. Uh, as we speak i would you know there's so much information going around uh, every second it seems like behind all of this i would point toward uh, one site uh, that that has some useful information uh freedomall the number 4 publichealth.org that's freedomall the number 4 publichealth.org Dealing with some of these questions that, that that we've been discussing throughout this whole broadcast, as far as the need to just release heads immediately, and that this, that this is uh, one of the major, if not the major uh, uh, spaces, the, 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 the major locus of, of this uh, outbreak, uh, that that being inside of these uh, facilities, on these prison plantations and jails, and as they mentioned, on their site and and other sites are are raising this up <laughs> there are heads right now uh who on the inside who who are refusing to, to refusing to leave their cells as Sheila pointed out going on hunger strike and striking um in various other ways and so that's going on in Rikers right now as well as uh Hudson Essex and Elizabeth County in New Jersey so uh, I I I have you know all of the Belief in the world that that these heads on the inside that are under these conditions all day every day uh know best what what they need in this moment and and how they're going to need to uh, seize it in this moment and we just have to do whatever we possibly can to to support you know what what they need to to get out from under that and and to avoid this reformist language that they're pushing left and right as far as you know th- those that are less of a threat or those that are more vulnerable, et cetera. You know, while we have to acknowledge that there are heads who are more vulnerable, the elderly and those with, with you know, preconditions, we, you know, at the same time, we have to recognize that, that everyone who's on the inside is, is especially vulnerable to an outbreak like this. And, and we can't let them shift the narrative toward their, their reformist uh, logic that, as they always try to.
1: All right well thank thank you, Tag. Another thought that just came to my mind from that clip though was that um that um one um overseer talking about isolating prisoners, but I think as has been pointed out earlier, you can't really isolate someone when you circulate in the same air through the same building. You know what I'm saying, so that just makes no sense at all you know and right. and and so you know you heard the lawyer also mention. Iran, I mentioned ten thousand. he said they let four thousand go I mean fifty four thousand out again, they don't have anywhere near the numbers of incarcerated that the United States does, but they let fifty four thousand people out of the prisons and jails, and they issue pardons for ten thousand i I would say every every governor in the United States has that authority. To pardon, especially since nonviolent drug offenders, uh, so-called drug offenders, make up the bulk of the prison population. Issue pardons right now. Issue pardons. I say to Donald Trump, you over the federal system, you've been issuing pardons for some of your, your um, you know friends and, and associates. Issue pardons. Issue pardons right now. And I don't know if there's any petitions up and if I can't find any, perhaps I'll make one, you know, calling for the pardoning of, you know, the people who make up the bulk of the prisons. And that's those who are in there for uh, the prison population, but those who are in there for nonviolent violent drug offenses, and other petty offenses where, you know, um, they may have committed a property crime or or what have you. Let them out now, okay? Let them out now. Well, that's all we have for you tonight. I want to thank Sheila um, for uh, uh, taking time out of her her day to come on and talk about this very, very important important issue. I couldn't imagine having a child in there. I got a couple of friends in there um, but if I had a child in there, man, I, I know I would definitely be on on edge. And so, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I appreciate your courage, you know, in you. in standing up, you know, for your son and the rest of the prisoners. And Tag, I know you're feeling a little under the weather, as I spoke to you earlier, man, y'all in the, at the epicenter or one of the two epicenters in the United States for this coronavirus. And so I would just, you know, be in prayer for you two and everybody else there, but please take all the precautions, you know, that I recommended. Um, so that you don't catch it, okay, because cause we need you as well out here fighting against prison slavery. With that said, I want to thank the listening audience. Please share the podcast, which will be up in about an hour and a half after I eat some dinner, and um, I'll get that up, and um, then you can share it, you know, on the different social media uh, networks or, or via email recognize the fact that slavery has never been abolished in the United States that's not an opinion that's a fact it's in it's in writing in the 13th amendment and it says it plain and day you know that slavery has been abolished except as a punishment for crime and during these times of this pandemic you know they could very well be sentencing everyone in there to a death sentence regardless of whatever they've been alleged to do. All right. With that said, peace and blessings to all. Be safe out there. Land of the
0: free lies the home of the homeless. Too many die every day, and we really just want
7: freedom.